you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So oh, yeah, but based too. on a lot of the the players involved with blowing it up very quickly, like two weeks after Biden announces his running, suddenly FTX is a thing and it moves very quickly and all the, the same creatures come in, BlackRock, all these groups that some people think are uh, are up to no good. They start investing it to blow it up very quickly. Do you think there is something behind some of these exchanges getting so big, taking so much money and then imploding? So I think there's something behind FTX getting so big so quickly. I don't know how any company like almost overnight becomes the household name with enough resources to go and fund um, stadium sponsorships and every celebrity and, and you know uh, professional NFL athlete endorsements out of nowhere, especially if the, the founder doesn't have a history of just having billions of dollars. One question that everyone has, but there hasn't been an answer to is where did the money come from? to listen to anything these degenerates say. Invest at your own risk, do research, but seriously don't listen to these ass clowns. Now enjoy Cash Daddies. Welcome to Cash Daddies. We're banking fattes. Yes. Join me as always from his weirdo cabin in the middle of the woods, Johnny Woodard. How are you, Johnny? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just uh, happy, happy to be here. A lot of news this week. Then, a lot of it's a big it's a big finance news week. So I'm excited for this episode. Okay, yeah. I'm excited too. And then joining me as always, the man, the myth, the legend, one of the OG Cash Daddies. How we do we bump 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 bump? How we do we bump 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 bump? What's up, people? Speaking of enthusiasm, you good, Howie. How are What's you? What's the word? What's going on? Wild week, wild day, man, wild day. The readers, we banked some fatties today on the downside, on the downside. Well, well, real quick, before we get into that, I want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening to the show. Somehow, someway, this little show that could made it up to the 214th highest rated uh, uh, financial podcast in the United States. Thank you guys very much. Obviously, the new format, the gas, everything is uh, starting to resonate with people. And we just want to say thank you so much. Uh, this show is for you. So you can sit there and manage your own money and take care of your own business. And that's what it's all about. So thank you for that support. Let's bank. Let's bank. Howie, get into it. Well, how is the week? Johnny's excited about the week that is. What's going on? Well, it was just a crazy week, and like like Johnny said, it's it's everywhere. It's all over. I mean, I'll go real quick. Uh, you know, the the CPI consumer price index number came in today. I thought it would be seven point two percent. It came in seven point one percent, which was a little bit lighter than what they expected. Which means the economy is slowing down. Which means inflation is dropping. So what happened? The market like opened up seven hundred points. I immediately went on the Patreon and said, guys, I think this is a false bounce. I think uh, our boy comes out tomorrow and pisses on this party uh, and, and says they're going to continue to raise rates. So 
We bought puts in NVIDIA right off the bat, which is a stock I love, but it's up too high. Uh, a lot of guys bank 50% on it in three hours. I mean, it literally started dropping. We uh, we bought some Moderna puts because it was up 20% today on that uh, cancer vaccine, which I'm sure Sam's going to get. Um, it's for skin cancer. And they developed or they're developing some vaccine with Merck. Jesus, dude. Yeah. And anyways, bottom line was the stock was up 30-something points. It was up 20%. And I said, you know, I love Moderna. They make a lot of good shit, but it's up too high too fast. So we bought puts on that too. Um, if the uh, if Powell comes out tomorrow and he pisses on this little party, which I think he will, it's going to be a really good day tomorrow. So we're out, we're we're heading in the right direction, baby. Headed towards the new year. We're, we're careful. We're banking fatties. We're raising cash. It's going to be an awesome 2023. And we killed the S and P this year, 2022. We crushed it. Right on. Good job, Howie. So it's good. That's great, Howie. I'm glad we're back in the saddle again. If you want to bank fatties, go to patreon.com slash cash daddies. And also we have the partnership. What's the what's the partnership with Howie? Who who's it with? Aries Trading. Um, yeah, they're gonna get with us next week, actually, and give us some numbers. We have some people that have signed up for Aries Trading. If you haven't, I can't think of a better Christmas gift, man. Toss somebody 500 bucks, get them an Aries trading account, and then they get 100 free. You get 100 free dollars. You get 20 bucks a month for five months if you join Aries trading. And Check out the link know, in the app. Yeah, the link will be in. I mean, the link will be in whatever podcast app you're in. Just look in the description of this episode yeah. and follow the link there. You don't have to type anything in at all. You can buy anything you, you want. You it's can the buy easiest crypto. free $100 ever. So let me ask you something. Um, do they need a promo code? Uh, it's the it's it's a link. It's a URL. Here, I'll give it to you. Just a second. We are stalling, obviously, Sam, for time while I look it up. Just a second. Hey, good looking. What you got? Yeah, also, cooking. also, if you're looking to get into some, uh, you know, I'm all about those precious metals. Wise Wolf has got some great stuff going on with Cash Daddies. Again, the link below. Get into that. Listen, you listen to the show. You do what your your soul tells you best. We'll point you in the right, right direction. At the end of the day, you got to make the best decisions. But if you go through Wise Wolf, you go through Aries, you're starting to cook with gas, setting yourself up, taking care of yourself, taking care of your family. That's what this show's about. Using the, the, the information you get from the guests we have on how to better your financial future. That's it. Uh, yeah. Trade, and it's Trade Aries. That's uh, T-R-A-D-E-A-R-I-E-S dot com slash cash daddies. Trade Aries. That's A-R-I-E-S dot com slash cash daddies. Yeah, you do that, you get a free $100. And to piggyback on Sam, hey, I always say in most CFPs or financial advisors will tell you to have three to five percent uh metals, gold, silver, usually gold, uh, in your portfolio. Look, if you did it the past month, gold's up like 10 percent in a month. It, gold's had the best month. I mean, Sam's been telling you to buy gold for a year and a half, and it's absolutely shit the bed. But if you bought it <laughs> last month, if you bought it last month, it's had the best month it's had in. Shit, 
three years, four years. He's finally so, right. Yes. I mean, he's right. Sam's right. Buy some gold, man. Get some gold. I would suggest. I've been it. right before. No, I mean, he's like, he was you, you, he was shitting on you. You missed it. He was doing a little gentle. He said you've yeah. been uh, talking about gold for a long time and it's been tanking. But finally now it's. I yeah. know. I got it, Johnny. No, I've been a good, been a good had hits on here. It's been a good month for gold. It has. It really has. I'm going to keep buying more gold and more gold and more gold. I don't think you'll ever regret that, honestly. I, mean, I just can't picture a scenario where you regret having a shit ton of gold. You know what I mean? No, whoever I mean, whoever just, was what like, I'm gonna do what am I going to do with my kids? Gold. Right. I mean, Look, you're never going to regret if, that. Even if it's worth exactly what I bought it 30 years from now. Yeah. I'm just going to give it to my kids. And be like, Your kids are going to be like, we had the dumbest dad that has ever walked. Why didn't They're he probably going to say fucking, that anyways, Howie. Why didn't he dig a 20-foot hole? And give us like hints. We could have had a fun fucking treasure hunt. No, no, they're no, not. They, they're, your kids will be when they look at the interest rates and what inflation's done versus what the market will do, which is seven, eight percent versus gold, which will probably do two or three. Hey, you got to have gold. I agree. You got to have a little bit of gold because you know if things do shit the bed and, and your portfolio drops, gold's not going to move. Go might move down a little bit, but it's but then again on the other side, when we have a year like maybe next year, the year after, where you throw a dart and the market goes up thirty eight percent, and gold goes up two, and you're sitting on five hundred thousand dollars, that's the difference. Well, I that's tell you, Howie, I would agree with you, uh, but I can tell you who might not agree with you, and that's Kathy Wood, who says that if the Fed continues the way they're going, we're looking at 1929 conditions. We might be heading for a Great Depression. That was her this week. She said the Fed raised interest rates, this is a quote, to squelch financial speculation. And then in 1930, Congress passed the Smoot-Hawley Act, uh, putting 50 plus percent tariffs on more than $20,000, more than 20,000 goods and pushing the global economy into the Great Depression. If the Fed does not pivot, the setup will be more like 1929, she says. And you know what? That makes me feel warm inside that she said that. That, that means there's absolutely no fucking chance of that happening. Because <laughs> God bless you, Kathy. Your heart's in the right place. You follow Jesus. I'm with you. But you got to be You got to be the craziest bitch that Wall Street has ever fucking seen. I mean, well, she I don't got know. Those nice big teeth. I don't know if you have like three snappers, and one of them gets you going in the wrong direction on a Wednesday, and the other one brings you back. But you are out of your fucking mind, and I hate to say it, you become the laughing stock of Wall Street. Like when your name comes up, people just start cracking up laughing because you've been wrong about everything. So that makes me good. That that makes me feel good that she has said that because. That fucking, that bitch is whacked. She's crazy. <laughs> She's hands that rock the cradle whacked. She's out of her mind. Oh, that was a good movie. Who, who was in that? Was that Rebecca de Mornay? Was that who was in that movie? She was. She reminds me of Kathy Wood. I believe so. Uh, okay. Hey, well, the dude, big, the other big, big story this week. What would you say? What would you say, Sam? If she got big teeth, I'm in. <laughs> he doesn't care. Uh, the other big story this week is that uh, FTX founder Sam Bankman Freed was indicted on eight criminal charges, including wire fraud and conspiracy by misusing customer funds. That's according to the U.S. attorney I, for the Southern District of New York. He's 30 I years just, old. He's Sorry. down there. I think he's in. I think he's downtown right now. I think they got him down there right now. Yeah, he was um, in the Bahamas. They picked him up in the Bahamas. 
and that's a quick plane ride. I mean, that's a few hours. So I think he's there. But I would have paid just to see when the door opened. You know that fucking little chubby bastard was in the corner just eating Oreos, sucking on his thumb when they came in and said, you're under arrest. He probably was like, for what What, what did I do? I, I didn't do anything. I thought I paid off the right people. What, what's the deal here? Well, you know, I, I just talked about some conspiracy social club I'll talk about here. But this guy has literally shot himself in the foot every fucking step of the fucking way. He can't keep his mouth shut. Well, he shot himself in the foot. He First shot all, everybody dude, else in the head. I mean, Jesus, he deserves a little of that. Well, yeah, for sure. But, dude, he this literally started because one of his biggest investors in his exchange found out that he was telling the government to go investigate them. <laughs> why would you go? Why would you go after someone that has invested that much money into your exchange? And then that guy turns around going, I think something's up with FTX. I'm pulling my money out. And that started the run. Let me tell you something, man. Right now, they probably have between 20 and 50 people in small rooms all across the country. And they have them in those small rooms and they're just beating them down hour after hour after hour. And right now the rats, the rats are all starting to talk because you got 30 to 50. You, he had a shitload of people under him that knew what the fuck was going on. And right now they're getting interrogated and they're like, look, you're looking at 20 to 30. We, we'll knock it down to five to eight. But you have about 15 minutes to tell us where the fucking money is and what happened. And I'm telling you right now, there's a shitload of people who are just talking and talking and talking. You know, when it's said and done, he'll probably get a 23-year sentence. He'll probably serve 12 or 13, and that'll be it. That's what I think. So it's white-collar crime, man. Uh, the SEC. Together, she said, this. she's like, if you put all of his crimes together, he's looking at 600,000 years in jail. Well, <laughs> she was like, she true. did the math. But you know that I, I want to say out of the, I don't know how many charges, but out of 10 charges, nine of them, our conspiracy charges, nine of them. So what that means is here's Sam. And then you have 16 other people who they're all interrogating right now to find out who's going to go away and who's going to go with him. Because when this thing's said and done, you're going to just see name after name, after name, after name, this person knew this, this person knew that, you know, and they're all cutting deals right now. They're all cutting three to five, three to five, three to seven, four to eight. And, and Sam's probably, they'll set the example. He'll do what, 12, 15 when it's all said and done? I mean, the, and, the, yeah. like they, they said today that one guy said it perfectly. He said, you know, the bottom line is we can go after this guy. We can say whatever we want, but these people aren't getting their money back. That That's the bottom line. You know, and if and if anybody, if any of these pensions or anything gets their money back, it's going to be, it's going to be 10. You know, Bernie Madoff, that was 14 years ago. 14 years ago. And and I want to say people got paid this week pennies on the dollars. Actually, I'm wrong. I think they did return something like 75% of all of Bernie's uh cash. But this isn't a Ponzi. This is way worse. This is way worse what this dude did. Yeah, well the the 
SEC, I think, called it old-fashioned embezzlement was their term yeah. for it. Yeah. That's yeah, what it was. That, and everyone's like, we need more, which is what we're going to get into with our guest. Uh, he should be on here in a couple minutes, but we're going to get into that about does crypto need regulation? Because I think all the crimes that this guy committed were already on the books. We already have crimes. Well, yeah, that's that. that's how so, you know they were because he just got indicted on a million different things. That's how you know they were already illegal. Yeah. Well, the whole thing is this is like all he had to do, bro, was fucking testify in front of court. I'm not saying he was never going to get arrested, but this got hastened because he told Congress or the Senate, whoever he's supposed to be, uh, you know, who, whoever who, whoever he's supposed to testify in front of, he told me he was too busy. He couldn't, he didn't have time. Do you think he thought he was untouchable, Sam? Because he had greased all the right wheels. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing how many of these guys think they're untouchable. I mean, what, bottom line is when, when your name comes up in Congress, oh, you're fucked. You're fucked. Because it, then, then it's the it's you're going back to a hundred years. This person owes this person. We gotta do a favor for this congressman, so he'll put this through. This congressman says, "I want this guy's head on a slab." So he's done. This guy's fucked. Sam, he is. Nobody can help him now. He's done. I'm with you, dude. I'm with yep, you. Yeah. Um. There's. So we can get into that. What else do we got? Any well, we got. Yeah, there's another story here that I thought was interesting oh, real, this week. Cool. Yeah, go Final ahead. thing, though, Johnny, on that is that now they're going to investigate Binance because now Binance is basically why there was a run on this fucking Democratic money laundering exchange. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, that's another thing, Sam, you just brought up. One of the main crimes that they're charging Bankman with, and this is where he's fucked, is he took people's money, whether they were Republican, communist, Democrat, who the fuck cares? But he took their money that he was supposed to be investing and he put it towards the Democratic Party, the political party. Yeah. I mean, that basically, are you kidding me? That's you're taking people's money. That, like that'd be like me saying, hey, uh, Mr. Jones, uh, let's buy uh, 10,000 shares of IBM. We don't buy it. I turn around and I fucking I put it. I, I back Trump or whoever, anyone. Um. So what he did is, I mean, holy shit, cut and dry crime, just sure. quick, pure crime. Um, Binance, the Binance thing is gonna be interesting too. I, I there was just a story yesterday, Sam. I'm sure this is what you're referring to. It says that there's actually a split at the Justice Department about whether they should uh, pursue indictments and, and charge Binance, the people in Binance. Uh, I'm just going to this is from Reuters here. It says uh, splits between U.S. Department of Justice prosecutors are delaying the conclusion of a long running criminal investigation into the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, Binance. Four people uh, familiar with the matter have told Reuters. So that's interesting. It could be coming down, but it's I, I imagine. All, how, don't you think all the people who are against it at the Justice Department probably have money on Binance? And there's like, dude, let me just get my cash out of there and then we yeah. can yeah, do this. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, people. Yeah. I. The last two days, I know I have friends that are just everybody's getting their money out of that. I mean, you're going to trust it? Really? Dude, I, 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 it's at the point now where I, I don't even know if I'm comfortable having my money on, on Coinbase. What do you, are you keeping anything on Coinbase anymore, Sam? Well, I, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been, my, we're going to have a discussion 
with uh, the guy who created Edge Wallet. My Monero's on there. But to be honest with you, dude, I've really pulled back on uh, investing in crypto till it sorts itself out. Yeah, I no, love that's crypto. the thing. Though. I think this could be a moment future. of opportunity. This could be a moment of great opportunity, and you'll regret that. But it, it does seem like the safe thing to just kind of sit back. Yeah, I mean, like, so the question becomes, if my wallet goes down, if Coinbase goes down, does it take my wallet with it? Yeah, and I want to ask him about, too, if there's going to be a way that we can have safer transactions where if you don't like, you you know, a, a clerical error doesn't result in you losing twenty thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, because you misclicked the network to send the coin on. There's got to be a better system for that. And I would love to hear from him if they're working on that kind of thing. I just, uh, you know, since we started this show, I told everyone, I said, you know, bottom line with crypto, so anything else, don't put more than five, seven percent of your money into any crypto. Just don't. If you've done that, you'd be happy right now. But the bottom line with Coinbase, it's a publicly traded company. Do I trust it? Hell no. Uh, I, it's The reason I don't is because the goddamn thing came public at like, what, 200 bucks a share or something? It's at 38. It's at 38 and change. I yeah. mean, and it's in this this company. They're not making money right now. I mean, I, I don't trust Coinbase at all, man. I think it's a piece of garbage. Crypto.com um, did release that proof that they had one to one reserves for everything uh, about a couple of days ago, too, after the FTX shit really went tits up. Well, it's like uh, how he's always said that this is uh, this is a tech bubble and you're going to have a lot of dead carcasses on the road. Yeah. You know, when it's said and done, you're probably going to have Bitcoin. You're probably going to have Ethereum. Those things should survive. Monero. I mean, yeah. I mean, if crypto survives, they should. Um, But this could be a long time, man. I mean, this could, people have lost so much fucking money. They've just, you know, anyone that went balls deep in this just got fucking crushed. And it does. It reminds me of. I'm in like, the room. Dot com. 2001 uh it's it's the mortgage crisis 2008 and and if you're in crypto this is probably worse i mean it blows my mind some of these small cryptocurrencies though saying you know we may be down 94 percent for the year but we're still up thirteen thousand from the day we started it's like motherfucker have you never started a good ponzi back in college when when me and the boys did the airplane and everybody put in a hundred. Yeah. The first day we all made a thousand percent. And then that thing just crashed one right in the ocean, man, because there's only so many people at your university. And after 16 people, <laughs> that shit is done. So that blows my mind. How can you see? Yeah. Well, we we're up 13,000% from the day we started. Are you kidding me? That's how just, you know, the guys that start these things, they, they literally look at society is that dumb. You know, and and I hate to say, I don't think most people are like that, but there are a lot of people out there that don't understand simple math. They don't understand why it's called a pyramid scam. Um, and they don't understand, you know, uh, how money, the, the point of interest, how interest causes things to to go up tenfold versus, yeah. say, twofold. Uh, the guest is here, guys, if you guys want to take it over to that. To that. All right, very excited to have this next guest on. He created the, uh, he's the creator of Edge Wallet. I have my Monero on there, so let's get into this interview. 
All right, guys, we'll tell you about our friends over there at Copy My Crypto and our good friend, James McMahon, everybody. That's right. Guys, we've seen so many people make ridiculous money from crypto. But did you know it's easy for you to do the same? The Copy My Crypto membership site shows you the coins that YouTuber James McMahon personally holds and allows you to copy him. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest as you simply do as he does. So let me tell you more about James. He runs Crypto with James YouTube channel, which despite heavy censorship, has over 26,000 subscribers. Since March 2020, he's told his viewers to buy 26 crypto coins. Had you put $100 into each, it went on to be worth $123,000. All the 26 coins, his top pick of the year called Phantom, went up 692 times from what when he said. That's one call. That one call alone has retired a number of people, including guys in their twenties and thirties. Remember, this is public knowledge. You you can go to YouTube and verify this yourself. If you like to join the twenty eight hundred members who copy James, then stop what you're doing and head over to copymycrypto.com/sam. That's copymycrypto forward slash Sam. That's S-A-M. You'll find the proof of everything we've said, but my listeners get full access for just $1. Once again, that's copymycrypto.com slash Sam. The recession is here, guys. You can suffer like everyone else or choose to thrive. James is the real deal. Go visit the site now. Super excited to have this guest on. He is the creator of Edge Wallet. I love Edge Wallet. Please welcome Paul Poy. How are you, Paul? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Sam. Thanks for being a fan. I'm happy to talk about more about crypto and financial markets like you've been covering on the show. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let's get it rolling. Well, uh, I, myself, Johnny, both huge fans of your, your wallet, your exchange. I have my Monero on it. So thank you very much for creating that. And I'm very excited to be on there. Uh, so what, let's get into something. What makes yeah. Edge Wallet so special? Oh hell, you throw me softballs here, you know. So um, <laughs> you're not bankrupt I've, yet. Yeah, no, a we're not bankrupt, and b the most important thing this is we got to tell your users is even if we went bankrupt, there's no way for us to take users' money. You know, I'm actually I just put out a tweet just earlier today. I said, you know something, I will applaud the next centralized exchange that goes bankrupt if they don't take anyone's money. Right, because yeah, it hasn't like, happened yet. Oh yeah, it's almost like you either continue operating and you're okay, or you go bankrupt with users' money. But it's almost like there's nothing in between. It's it's almost like it's too tempting. It's like oh, my business isn't doing so well. You know, I've got this stash of crypto sitting right here that I could sure tap into, and maybe I could do it really quick, and no one will ever notice. You know, and then they do it, and then of course it never works out in the end. They don't realize how tough it is to manage users funds and not and them not notice it because they do a run on the bank and then boom there goes the entire pyramid scheme kind of implodes and so you're right we're not bankrupt it but b it doesn't matter if we did because you'd still have your money and that i think is an important distinction between self-custody and not And you asked the question sam like what makes us different our goal is to make self-custody feel just like traditional applications traditional finance so we that care about it get the benefits of self-custody and privacy for 
you know, obviously you care about privacy, but using Monero, which is awesome. We love Monero and different privacy coins. But the important thing is to get our ideology of what we believe in into the hands of everybody else, even if they don't give a damn. They don't give a shit. That's all right, because we get it and we get the benefits of using uh, those protocols, those uh, kind of like those systems uh, because other people use it as well. Now, let me ask you a quick, quick question. You, you're saying, you know, the difference between us and anyone else is if we went bankrupt, we could not take your money. With that being said, uh, explain that because I'm pretty sure Sammy Bankman kind of said the same thing. Yeah, so, so the big, yeah, exactly. So self-custody versus non-self-custody. Sammy Bankman's sitting there with his company funds in a bank account. And let's say that he was pretty good about separating customer funds because he is a custodian of the customers. So you could have Sammy Bank right here, user funds bank here. And say you're just a, you know, you're not even a crypto company. You're just simply a company, right? But you're holding user funds. At some point when Sammy Bank starts to run a little bit low, he could dip into the pot and say, you know something, let's just do a hundred bucks here out of my user's funds. I'm just going to yeah, borrow called, it really quick. That's called commingling. Exactly. Which is, what is, A, it's illegal. Even if you don't care about legality and raw laws and regulation, it just sucks to the users because that's not what they bought in for, right? They bought in to leave their money there, be able to trade with their money. It wasn't part of the agreement, but it's so tempting. It, I can't think of a financial institution that hasn't done this before going bankrupt. Like it, it, it's, it's just sitting there. And that's what Sam Bankman's done. That's what other centralized services have done as well. So in contrast, self-custody apps, Edge just being one. So it's not even like the key differentiator at Edge. It's the key differentiator between self-custody and non, is that the user holds their own keys. They control their own funds. They're the ones that create transactions to send money. And so if we were to go bankrupt, well, we lost all of our money, but we haven't, we would have, but we don't lose the user's funds. The users can send that their money out. You can even go into Edge today, go into airplane mode, which means you have no access to the internet. You can't access Edge servers infrastructure. You could still log in with your fingerprint, face ID, your password, and you can actually see your keys. You can take your keys out, oh, okay. put, them in, right. put them into another wallet. It's an extra step. You got to go into like more of the advanced settings for each wallet and you can see the master private key. And that's what enables you to sweep the funds. And we're also open source. So if you don't believe it, you look and build the app yourself, or at least know that because we're open source code, other people have been able to look at it and audit that we are doing what we say we're doing. It's kind of like that transparency that's so critical in crypto. That also means, right, that the user interface wouldn't die if the company died, right? You could, because it's open source. People could build it. Yeah. yeah, the user right. interface itself could be built and you know, people then run it all entirely on their own. A lot of the stuff, there is some infrastructure that we run in the back end to make things a bit more convenient, but mm -hmm. nothing that controls keys and funds. So right. things like exchange rates, you want to see what Bitcoin is worth. Well, if we go under and we shut down that service, then Bitcoin will always say $0, but it'll say you know 1.36 Bitcoin. You might not get an exchange rate though. So like the less critical aspects of the, of the application do rely on some of our infrastructure. So if everybody has their own key, uh, mm -hmm. let's say you had problems, Sam wanted to get out his Monero, he's got his own key to his own wallet. How do you guys make money? Whenever people trade. So just like an exchange, just like Bankman, right? He didn't make any money when people held their, well, I take that back. SBF yeah. did make money on the money you left on, on FTX. Yeah, but they just that, took it. They just took it. That's the way your money from uh, your user funds. You just simply take it. How, do, how are they supposed to make money? How is FTX supposed to make money on exchange fees when people trade? Right, it's the exact same for us. You can buy and sell inside of Edge. We connect to multiple different exchanges to cover a lot of the world, the different payment methods in different countries. And you can also go crypto to crypto and we support some decentralized exchanges. If you haven't 
talked about or heard of ThorChain yet, I am just floored by this project. Full cross-chain decentralized exchange with token support and fully self-custody. There's no counterparty. ThorChain. ThorChain. Yep. Great project. I can connect you guys with some of the, the, the lead devs, get on the show and whatnot, and talk about what they're up to. Is it F-O-U-R chain? Uh, Thor. Like oh, Thor, Thor, Thor. Like, Thor. Yeah. yeah, Thor Hammer, exactly. These, Their these whole crypto projects got, always have the coolest names. They're, they're they do, the best you know? Thor chain. That's great. If you see the website, it's got the entire Avengers theme behind it, lightning and whatnot, and hammers and you know, superheroes galore. It's one of those like the founders, whatever you, if you're a founder in the crypto space, just figure out what you're just a fan of and you just build everything around that branding. And somehow it seems to work. So great project. We interface with ThorChain so people can do cross-chain swaps, go from Bitcoin to Ethereum, you know, to Litecoin to Doge. And there's no counterparty in the middle. Like there's no company in the middle of that swap. Um, and they're oh, wow. introducing okay. yield earning, you know, so you can earn yield on your Bitcoin and ETH. Just deposit it, earn some yield by being a liquidity provider, um, take it out whenever you want. And also there's no counterparty there, right? It's a smart contract. It's right. Now, when, when you're talking about earning, this is where I have a real problem with because every one of these exchanges that has gone down is promised, hey, you know, put your money with uh, Celsius. We're paying 18%. Yep. My question yep. used to be, you're paying 18%. How the fuck, how are you making, because you got to be making 23, 24, 4% if you're going to pay me 18 because that's what banks do. So right, exactly. What, how are you getting the difference, man? Like, what are you investing in to get a higher percentage? So explain that. How would so they? Again, so once again, we're not investing the money, right? right Everything right. in our app is self-custody. So when you deposit, for example, Bitcoin in an edge, and this isn't live yet, this will be live in about a week. Like next week, it'll be live. You'll be able to take Bitcoin in edge and say, I want to go and deposit that or stake it and earn, I think right now it's 4 to 5% on Bitcoin, which is actually really good. It's not the 18%, but then again, 18%, you see why they claimed 18% because it wasn't really earning that much kind of money. Yeah, 4 or 5% is probably a little bit higher than banks right now. Yeah, well, a little bit, quite a lot higher in banks, especially earning it on Bitcoin, which tends to trend upward. So 4 or 5%, where it's coming from, that Bitcoin is getting deposited into ThorChain's decentralized exchange and is being used for as liquidity for when people trade back and forth between Bitcoin, Ethereum, Doge, Litecoin, and whatnot. So you're being a liquidity provider, a market maker. Um, and so it's a very straightforward process. They've kind of wrapped the entire experience under just simply send some Bitcoin and then take it out. Simple as that. And that's supported in, I think, five or six assets, Bitcoin, ETH, Doge, Litecoin, BCH. I'm still um, wondering how they, how they make their, four, even 4%. It's the trading fees. So the, the, the protocol takes a little cut when people trade back and forth between different assets. So in other words, every time something's traded, that goes into a specific account and that account is used to pay the interest, I'm guessing. Exactly. It okay. gets pooled. Basically, your funds that Bitcoin you deposit goes into a pool. And that pool of funds is used for when people trade back and forth. And over time, it accumulates a certain amount of credit. And then when you withdraw, the protocol calculates, okay, here's how long you've had the money inside of the pool. Here's the total rewards that the pool has accumulated during that time. Here's your percentage share of that reward, and you can withdraw it. So simple as that. So it's it's a straightforward business model if you think about it that way, as opposed to where's this money magically coming from? Yeah, um, yeah. I and, would love to see they they must have certain algorithms for because I know right now crypto as far as trading volume has been extremely low. So I, I would think you know in your business you want high volume, you want yeah. people trading all the time. Um, and right. how's that affected? Because lately it's it's been it's been low. So it's been low because you're looking at 
the volume on centralized exchanges by and large. So Thorchain actually achieved new record high volumes this past month. You could probably guess why. A lot of people getting their money the hell off the yeah, FTXs yeah. and Celsius and the Coinbase and the Krakens of the world going, no, 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 no I'm not trading on that stuff. And Binance. so Binance and whatnot. So they're putting them into solutions that are more self-custody. So yeah, we're seeing notable notable uptick in, okay. in volume as of last month and, and definitely this month. Um, and Thorchain, which is accessible across multiple different apps. Edge is just one app that lets people access Thorchain, has seen, I think, new all-time highs in volume which is a huge, huge accomplishment given the bear market, right? And if anything drops in the bear market, sure, prices drop, but volumes tend to drop even more um, yeah. prices. So um, yeah, it's a testament to the value of what they've delivered and the integration such as uh, with apps like Edge um, and a testament to the times. People are caring, like they get it. Yeah, they're, they get it. A lot of them have been getting it in the wrong place for the yeah. last month and a half, man. It, it, <laughs> so, it's been painful. It has been. Yeah, it has been painful. And as somebody who has created uh, a wallet exchange app that does it right, is it frustrating to watch? It kind of is. Um, it, I'm torn because I'm on the I'm on one side of like, God, this is an embarrassment to the industry that I hold dear to my heart. Right, like I feel like this is the most disruptive, powerful, empowering industry that uh, that I've seen in my lifetime, and it's got this giant black eye, and it's not even the first black eye. Right, SBF is just the latest in this in dozens of these issues having happened over the course of the past thirteen years in Bitcoin's life. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, it's a wake up call to use products that adhere to the the reason why Bitcoin is even valuable which is self-custody, whether that's Edge or another app. It's it's finally that wake-up call. So it's sad that people have to lose money to get to that wake-up call. But I always say it's better earlier than later. Because um, if you think about it, what was the big the big implosion of 2013, 2014 was Mt. Gox, which is a few hundred million, right? So now we're almost not quite a, a decade later. And now we're about 10x that in a few billion dollars. If we waited another two, 10 years, that'd be tens of billions of dollars. And so the earlier that we people can wake up to this, fundamentally, if we can avoid this kind of contagion going five, 10 years into the next bull run, then better. But it is it is of the size that is larger than I would have liked our entire industry to ever see. I was hoping that we'd go into self-custody in mass five, eight years ago. And these exchanges would be left not for, especially not like consumers, you know, like consumers are using these products. This this should be for those high risky degen traders. You know, the day traders. Like, sure, you you can't do that stuff on a blockchain, um, like directly self custody yet. But for the retail investors, just you know, you know, buying a little bit of Bitcoin, buying some ETH. It's sad that they're the ones that you know had a lot to lose in these services. Sam brought up a good point earlier, kind of what you're talking about right now. You know. You know, if we wait 10 more years, it's going to be tens of billions. So evidently, they're not going to wait 10 more years because the uh, the SEC is stepping in. I mean, government regulations, they're coming. They're coming fast. What do you think of that? Because, you know, the whole point of the whole decentralized philosophy was to keep government out of it. And what's happening? They're coming in tenfold right now. So what do you think of that? So if you look like a bank and you smell like a bank, taste like a bank, then I feel like you should get regulated like a bank. And so any of the custodians fit all of the above criteria. They look, they smell, they taste. And so fine, stick all the regulation you want on those entities, but leave 
self-custody protocols alone is my, my stance. And so far with a few small exceptions, um, they have left protocols and self-custody alone. So the, the tornado cash being like one of the really unfortunate exceptions to that rule, like, you know, they sanctioned a freaking, uh, smart contract address, um, which is a bit odd. It's not an entity per se. Although I guess some could argue that there is an entity like manner behind smart contracts. Um, but yeah, you know, we can still transact freely on Monero. Um, we're still able to send and receive money to and from anyone else in the world. They're not banning, you know, at least not the U S and a lot of Western states are not banning the use of cryptocurrency. Um, and they're not regulating a lot of the, um, self-custody solutions to access those. So while they can, they can go full draconian. They can absolutely, they can say GitHub is, we're going to put you in, put your founders in jail. If you host any open source software that allows people to talk to the Bitcoin network, they could do that, but that's not the low hanging fruit. It's also harder for them to do that because what people don't realize is that regulators don't generally create new rules. They apply existing laws to new situations. And Bitcoin throws this giant wrench into their machine because it's like, fuck, how do we apply this? It just doesn't kind of fit. You know, this crypto thing doesn't fit the existing rules. So they're racking their brain on how to apply it. But in the meantime, it's really easy to apply to the custodians. Centralized exchanges, boom, it fits like a glove. Yeah, Good. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's that that's what I think they're applying a lot of their regulations to for now. And hopefully, yeah, you make a good point. That especially like you're just like you're saying, uh, they're going to treat this just like the New York Stock Exchange, the, the NASDAQ, uh, anything yeah. else, because it's these large exchanges. Those are the, those are the thieves, man. That, those are. They think, obviously, they thought it, it was much easier to hide billions of dollars or steal billions of dollars. Uh, because nobody's gauging it or why, but evidently that's that's all coming down now. Yeah. Uh, and this and nothing's new about this. There was a great um article, there was a great paper written by an actual, I think someone in the government, and it was put out in a tweet that I was like one of the best. I gotta like find it and snapshot it. But it said that this is nothing new. What happened with SPSF is nothing new. We saw this with Madoff, we saw this with Enron. Um, we saw this in old, in like early 1900s with like the railroad industry. I can't remember the exact quote, quote. Um, and all it is, is the same fraud, but with new names and new technology. And to, to layer on top of that thought was the fact that all of those old technologies that had fraud, we still use, we still use a railroad system. We still use energy. Um, you know, we still use, do use property right? We're still investing in property. We're still buying property. And so just because the industry went through and the technology had this really bad actor, bad player, and multiple of them, doesn't mean that the technology in the industry itself is bad and that we won't be using it for decades to come. And that was one of the most like, oh, it hit, to the, hit the mark on the way people should think about it, the way regulators should think about it. Like blame, you know, blame the player, <laughs> you know, yeah. hate the player, don't hate the game. Right. And so- yeah. Bank was SBF was one of the players. He didn't play it well, right? Put him in jail, try to recover as much as you can from him. But the game itself of crypto is one that's here to stay, just like all other technologies here to stay. Do you think uh, there's some sort of purposeful movement behind F FTX? Like, it, you know, the day after the midterms, that's when it crashes. And some people like based on, I, I you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. So oh, yeah, but based too. on a lot of the, the players involved with blowing it up very quickly, like two weeks after Biden announces his running, suddenly FTX is a thing and it 
moves very quickly and all the the same creatures come in blackrock all these groups that some people think are uh, are up to no good they start investing it to blow it up very quickly do you think there is something behind some of these exchanges getting so big taking so much money and then imploding so i think there's something behind ftx getting so big so quickly so I don't know how any company like almost overnight becomes the household name with enough resources to go and fund um, stadium sponsorships and every celebrity and, and you know uh, professional NFL athlete endorsements out of nowhere. Like their growth was just that should be epic a red report. flag. That alone, especially especially if the the founder doesn't have a history of just having billions of dollars. You know, obviously, if you've got billion dollar families that can invest in this and pump out a bunch of marketing, great. But one question that everyone has, but there hasn't been an answer to is where did the money come from? And um, it, it is known that, that SBF did a, some arbitrage in, in his early days into, into Bitcoin. And they did some calculations. Okay, if you had this amount of money to start with, what would you be able to accomplish? And there's no way that could have accomplished the amount of resources necessary to create an FTX. So the money came from somewhere. Now I'm a conspiracy theorist, just like you are, Sam. And if anything, I start to think that, heck, it's not even conspiracy theory. I feel like what the media says is the theory. What we've got is closer to the fact, by and large. Yeah. Like it's almost like media theory is what it should be. Media pumps out this theory, believe it or not. But the timing behind the resources that FTX had, um, the people in play with respect to who he had donated money to, and the disappearance of other money that the government had seized <laughs> seems to correlate almost too well. Um, the... Uh, uh, what's his name? The Epstein money. Where the hell did that all go? I, and if people don't know, that actually, FTX was founded literally like a month or so after Epstein got put into jail. It's probably so, where it went. Not a theory, right? So conspiracy <laughs> theory, sure. But the ducks align almost too well. And the fact that a lot of that money went right back into politicians' hands from donations or so, and the fact that so much of the early media that was controlled by a lot of politicians were complete softball interviews with SBF. And the articles were just asinine. Oh my God, poor guy, you know, his company goes bankrupt and now he won't be able to achieve a lot of his, you know, saving the world initiatives. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, and so- His family's very concerned about climate change. That to me is uh, yeah. a red flag on everything. So- uh, I want to ask you because, you know, we got a little bit of doom and gloom and I, I love crypto uh, very early in this show was pushing very hard. I'm sitting back right now, kind mm. of letting this chaos kind of figure Pan itself out. out. But at, moving forward, well, I want to ask, I have a question about Bitcoin, but moving forward, um, mm. what are some coins you're excited about? And, and how long do you think that there's practical everyday applications of crypto because we've talked about for me personally i think you're gonna for the longest time you've seen these coins go up and then when rents do people sound it, it well, crashes because it's because they're they're exchanging it for fiat money because they yeah. they that's what makes the world go round right now but when you're able to go to in and out burger or wherever you want and pay with your crypto i think you're going to see people less and less selling this crypto offer really crappy fiat money uh right. how long do you think 
away, how far away do you think we are from that reality? Tough question. This is my closest calculation to that, which is the percentage of the market cap of the crypto industry relative to the dollar, the dollar being kind of the global reserve, everything kind of moves around the dollar. So the dollar in M1 currency terms is about, what's it, 70, 80 trillion dollar market cap. Cryptocurrency, what, a trillion, sub-trillion, right? Especially during bear markets. I think, what do we peak at? Two trillion, three trillion at like, top of the, of the peak. Yep. So, and that includes stable coins, which really are just the dollar. So you almost have to get a market cap of crypto that, that excludes stable coins. <clears throat> now you're talking really, really sub-trillion dollar market cap. So we're not really stealing a lot of value from, from the dollar right now. At what point, and this is what I ask myself, and you guys can kind of ask yourself the same thing. At what point of market cap of crypto, where people are holding this many X trillions of dollars of crypto instead of holding actual dollars, at what point does that start to actually devalue the dollar, right? At sub-trillion, we're not, we're not making a debt. Five trillion, 10 trillion, you know, 20 trillion. I think at 20 out of 70 yeah. trillion, you're making a debt at that point. It so that's still... So that's about 20x from where we're at, we're at right now, probably even more. But the market cap of all of crypto tends to 10x, you know, if not more, every four years, right? You know, the Bitcoin cycle, the bear um, boom cycle. Yeah, but that was, before, that was before all this shit happened. Well, Bitcoin hasn't 10x, but the entire market will tend to 10x, you know, because other coins will go up a little bit faster than Bitcoin because they're smaller market cap. So right, you're, you're saying other coins go up, 10x, other coins. How many of those coins are legit, not Ponzi schemes, though? That's my big thing. I mean, I have faith in Very Bitcoin. Few. I got faith in Ethereum. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those coins out there, are garbage. thousands of them. Yeah. We've had, I can't tell you how many Tons people we've had on the show that started coins, and that Ponzi was up in six to nine months. Yeah, they, they, they go up in they flames. Like, hey, we thousand next. No, yeah, sure you did. And your mom's yeah, for a half a second. For half yeah. a second, you thousand next. But the if you look at the total crypto market cap, it's starting to be. It's starting to include because Bitcoin is now only thirty percent of the market cap, thirty five percent of the total market cap. So even in like bear market, right, we're stabilizing to a of a total market cap value where a lot of it is encompassed by stable alt alternate coins, altcoins, not just Bitcoin. So point being, those coins tend to have a higher trajectory opportunity if they can keep, if they can stay around and be relevant. Many of them do die off, but a lot of them can contribute. And that, that's, that's still value that's not the dollar, right? People are holding it in something that's not the dollar. That's the important thing that I'm trying to use for this, this answer to your question, which is like, when will it happen? So if we, can, if we average 10x every four years, right now we're at about less than a trillion, right? So 10x that, that's 10, that's 10 trillion. 10x again, that's 100 trillion. So we'll ramp it down. Say we don't even 10X, we 3X after that. Now we're at $10, $30 trillion. That's about two cycles from now would be my prediction where we start to really put a huge dent into the value of the dollar, which now opens everyone's eyes to like, holy dollar really dying, crypto holding its own. But that's that going to be tough with Bitcoin and Ethereum being half. Bitcoin and Ethereum are half of the whole of all crypto market cap. Uh, it's less than half of the crypto market cap now, and it possibly will become less than that come the next it's, full run. It's 48%. 40, okay, it's gone up a little bit. When I got involved, it was 95%, and yeah. it's only gone down every cycle. And I think that's okay. Just like as an industry grows, you become free. You start off with a, as being the big fish in a small pond. 
Bitcoin now is a smaller fish, but in a freaking fucking huge pond, right? It's just a huge ocean now. So that's okay. You're still bigger than you ever were. It's just that you're just a smaller percentage of the whole, the entire industry. And as the industry grows, Bitcoin will likely get become even smaller and smaller percentage, still huge, but the industry is going to grow faster than, than Bitcoin. It'll, it'll be relevant. It'll still be very relevant. So will Ethereum. And Ethereum, I think will grow faster than Bitcoin as well, because it has a smaller market cap and a bunch of different use cases. So the whole market growing is, I think, the key thing. And that eats into way the dollar, eats into the value. People see that dollar value is dropping way faster than entire cryptocurrency space. They start holding crypto. And then it answers your question. If I hold crypto, spending dollars becomes a friction thing. Yeah. Now I just simply yeah. spend crypto. And, that, and then we hit that adoption curve that you're saying, hey, when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? That's my closest theory. Everything I just said is still like the, ah. this is the closest thing I can think of. <laughs> Right. No, so that's a good theory. Maybe, that's a good theory. It could be twenty years. It could be. If, uh, hopefully, if we if we're still able to ten x, you know, every four years, then it's not twenty. It's eight to twelve. Oh, eight to twelve. I'm it could be twenty years. Now. It could be a hundred years, Sammy boy. It could be. Anything, I'm just hoping it's in my life because like, I'd love to see it. <laughs> I would love to see it too. I want to get in some real quick, and then I want uh, tether. Uh, is there any concerns about tether? Gosh, I mean, if, if, since I got involved in this space, there's never not been concerns about Tether. Um, it's there's no such thing as too big to fail. But if if there was if Tether is the closest thing to it as the too big to fail, especially in the cryptocurrency space, is it's it's like the emperor has no clothes, but no one wants to admit it because if you admit it, ah, uh, shit, there there goes an entire swath of the industry, and. It's kind of like us putting our faith in the dollar. It's like, we know there's nothing there, but we sure, you know, so many companies are dependent on it. The whole world's dependent on it. We just don't, like, shh, shh, right? But I sure as hell am not holding any of my value in Tether. Um, if anything, I'm borrowing Tether because <laughs> if it collapses, then it's just, let shit, I got to pay back. So um, that I'm okay doing. So you kind of like play your cards wisely where you only got upside to the existence of Tether. You don't have any downside, then you're generally okay. What, but... Uh are we concerned that if Tether goes, Bitcoin goes? No, not at all. I have no concern. I think if Tether goes, we have another SBF-ish moment um, as far as bad media for crypto. Um, we'll probably also get really bad regulation of stable coins, at least, um, at least custodial stable coins. Um, but Bitcoin's not going anywhere if Tether goes. Like Bitcoin's existed for you know, for a long time before Tether existed. So it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and we have other coins that can pick up the slack. So before Tether was it, there was nothing. And if you think about what Tether, um, what value Tether brought to the industry, um, it allowed arbitrage between exchanges super fast, right? So price to Bitcoin in Japan was one thing and it's different in the US. Normally you'd have to do a freaking slow ass wire transfer. No, they'll cost like 50 bucks, blah, blah, blah. Now you can just tether, tether in, arbitrage, get back super fast. Um, that was the big value proposition. Now we've got that in other coins with USDC and also um, algorithmic stables like DAI. So if if Tether goes, it will definitely not be good news for the industry. We're going to get a lot, of, a lot of bad press. Bitcoin price will dump for sure, but it's definitely not dying. Uh, Bitcoin's not dying because Tether dies. No way. Um, and we're more mature than we were several years ago when Tether was the only game in town. So what is your thoughts on Let's say a year, where is Bitcoin? In a year? God, I can only take take parallels. So everything I say is probably has already been said, which is, you know, if we re repeat on this uh, bull and bust cycle, the the halving cycle of Bitcoin, which 2013 first halving, 2017 next halving, 2021, almost 2020 was the next halving after that. I'm, I'm probably one year off 
right? Every four years, there's a halving. And next year will not be a halving year, but it's ramping into the next halving year, which would be 2024. Um, we likely will see bottoming out of prices early, early next year. If not, we've already there, or if not, we're already there. And then a gradual run up, not to all time highs, but you know, start upticking where people are like, oh, hmm, all right, it seems good news. Uh, going into the end of the next year. And then early next year, like, oh, it's a having early the year after 2024. Oh, it's a having year. And barring really bad global economic news like COVID, COVID kind of like put a bit of a dent into the having. Uh, yeah. Into the having year of 2020, it's like, oh, we were ramping up, we we're ramping up. Having was in May, but in March, uh, boom, home market crashes, but we recovered right into the having. So, barring those kind of like black swan events, um, you know, I, I feel like we'll start hitting what I call local highs, annual highs into next year, middle end of next year, and then hit, start hitting uh, like all time highs the year after, you know, with the having. So, that's if history repeats itself, the one black swan thing that could really throw a wrench into that is full global economic meltdown that we've never seen. Oh, no, I've never seen that. Crypto has never seen. So crypto started in the middle of a, a economic crisis, but it, it didn't exist during one. And this is the piece where I, I feel like I'm a bit of a coin toss. And I feel like we're going to go into one of the two extremes. If we go full you know, recession um, going into next year, then either Bitcoin and crypto does insanely well or it, it tanks even worse than the rest of the markets because it's more volatile than the rest of the markets. Um, I feel like it's going to have this divergent. I, I hard to predict which way it goes. Um, if we have this, this mediocre kind of a recession-ish, but not really, you know, um, stagflation, but not like hyperinflation, then I feel like we'll just trend like we did the past several cycles where next halving cycle, we hit new all-time highs. Won't, won't be huge. It feels like it we're, we're, at least for Bitcoin, it won't be 10x anymore, but maybe for the entire market, it will be. Right on. I have I have a quick All question right, for man. you. I, I feel like no. people like those in my family, older folks are never going to you're never going to see widespread adoption for crypto until there's a solution to you not being able to easily lose thousands of dollars due to a clerical error. You know, you know, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and I'm wondering, is anybody working on a solution for that? Or is that just going to come when we have, we're down to finally a couple of widely adopted coins and maybe one widely adopted network? Is that, is that the only really end game well, solution? Well, it depends on what you mean by a clerical error. If it's a clerical well, it's sending, error, sending a coin exchange. on the wrong network, let's say. Oh, got it. So that is I a mean, very we, there are people in this, in this room right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Lost money by sending it on the wrong network? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. That that is possible. Um, although at least on like a lot of the Ethereum like networks, that's always recoverable. Like you send Ethereum to a polygon address, you can get that back. It's not easy, but you can do it. Um, Bitcoin and, and those kind of networks can be harder. You could you know send Bitcoin to a what is it uh, like a Doge address and it could kind of be lost. Now address standards have hardened, where each network has a different address format now. And that becomes much, much harder. So I, I, given that we run a company that takes calls, support calls and people having issues, this has not been an issue that we really get since like the 2018 timeframe when there were a lot of Bitcoin forks, mm -hmm. right? Um, now that there are few and far between, this is just not something that we get. Like we, and you don't it, think that'll be an obstacle to widespread adoption? Like no, really I, I don't, I don't, no, I don't think that that's going to be because it, while it has happened in the past, that 
that type of discrepancy and people realize, and they also learn like, oh my gosh, that's right. When you have these two identical address formats, there actually is this possible possibility of fund loss. Um, and then they're realizing that creating better standards to identify and make each chain unique and their address formats unique. So you simply can't, you scan it with a wallet and upset wallet says, sorry, invalid address. Okay. So um, that's the answer. Those kind of standards. Making the, the address standards unique to each coin. To address that question, but I think that that's that's not the biggest barrier to adoption because that's only one piece of the puzzle. You know, the, one of the big challenges is the key management. Most people yeah, don't want to deal with sure. owning their money, and that I think is the the topic that's talked about over and over and over. It's like, how do we solve the key management um, problem? And I don't think there's like one solution because each person's a little bit different. What do so you? What, what, are there, what what would you say you support the most then? Oh, that's another softball question because we build an app that does key management for yeah. people. Yeah. And I think in, in the end of the day, it's going to be a bit of a hybrid model. It's not going to be a write down 24 words. Uh, I think that's a flawed model. Like Absolutely. Hardware, hardware wallets claim like this impervious high security device, but then they make you write this thing down on a piece of paper, which is yeah. like the lowest security thing in the world. It's, it's yeah. like a gaping hole in your vault. Um, the, the human error behind that. So a hybrid and some solution. Of, some of them, I'm sorry, some of them encourage you to memorize it. You know, they're like, you need to memorize. I've, I've oh had a God. few, like, come on. You, you're you're going to ask my grandma to memorize a yeah. you know, 21 word passphrase. Come on. Even, <laughs> even me, I can't memorize. I can't memorize that. You, know, you could, especially 12, if you have more than words. one. Yeah, exactly. And so giving people something that's a bit more familiar, more forgiving, that is a blend between like the pure chain cryptography, you know, protocol stuff. And traditional infrastructure, I think is what we're going to see going forward, where you retain the value of self-custody, but make it where people can leverage the assistance of either entities and other people in recovery. And right now, like people talk about social recovery for, for years um, and smart contracts that enable that. And I think that is one of the, the solutions we're going to have in the future, social recovery. You recover through people that you've entrusted to recover these keys. Like they hold some keys themselves that in combination can recover your account. Um, but that requires a network effect. Yeah. Right? I, I'm not going to use social recovery if the people that I would give access to help me are people that they themselves are not in crypto and, and don't have wallets and you know don't know how to deal with this stuff. So I think we'll get there in time. But in the meantime, the social network may have to end up being kind of another company, right? another entity that's not like your friend. So that's kind of what we imply, impart an edge where we are not a trusted entity, but we assist with the recovery by giving you other ways in, um, into the account, but we unilaterally don't have access. So think of like split key cryptography, where we have a key that can in decrypt, you have a key that can decrypt, um, but you need both of them to come together to gain access. Should you lose access to your, it's like launching a nuclear password. weapon, right? So yeah, you kind of, yeah, you need, you need the two keys, you know, exactly. So uh, that way no one party can access it unilaterally. I think that's the, the future of recovery with a good UX. Um, and I see both us and other projects moving in that direction. I think that's the one of the biggest uh, barriers, but solutions for mass adoption. What are you well, concerned uh, at all? I'm interested because I've started recently getting a lot of, and I'm not really sure what what their goal is, but I'm getting crypto spam. You know, like oh, just geez. shit coins sent to me with weird oh messages. And the is that a yeah. problem you guys are seeing a lot of? So yes and no, in in, in the sense that. Uh, we don't show messages on chain messages. Uh, oh, really? I don't know. We okay. do. We do actually do show them for some chains. We do, but the uh, where we see a lot of spam is in people getting just spam tokens. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But a uh, reason why our users don't see it is they have to manually enable those tokens. Some oh, apps will right. automatically show you the tokens, and that's actually a great feature in many ways. You know, it's like you have an ETH wallet, and someone sends you USDC, it just shows up. 
Um, in Edge, you have to explicitly say, I want to see the USDC inside of Edge, which also means that you have to explicitly see and want to see like, SHIB. If someone sent you some like dust SHIB token, you're not going to see it unless you decide to actually open that up and, and, and see it. So that kind of spam is less prevalent. Um, but we do see on networks where transactions are really cheap um, that, yeah, there's a ton of spam. You'll get spam tokens, spam dust transactions. Um, and yeah, the, the, the networks that allow you to put a message into those transactions, oh, you're right. You're, you'll see a bunch of spam there because it's the free way to get, get a message to people. Just like It's like another email, right? right? Except that it's censorship resistant, unlike email. So there's good, good you know, pros and cons to censorship resistance. This is unfortunately one of the cons. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Well, I appreciate you, Paul. This has been a wonderful interview. And uh, I'm so thankful you spent some time with us. I love Edge Wallet. I have, again, Thank my so Monero much. on there. And uh, it's a very easy wallet to access, very easy to navigate. And you've done a great job with it. So uh, is there anywhere our listeners can personally find you? Is there a Twitter, Instagram, website, yeah. anything else you want them to look into? Uh, the website's probably the best way to learn about Edge and also to find me. I'm on there as one of the co-founders in the about section. From there, you can get to my LinkedIn, my Twitter profile. But edge.app is our website. Um, and there you can easily find me in the about section of the of the page. So while I can give you my Twitter handle, you can figure out how to spell it and remember it, why not? Just go to edge.app. You'll find me and my co-founder easily there. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter on a semi-regular basis. Maybe every couple of days, I'll put something out there. I'm on Instagram, but there's like a whole bunch of scammers that like impersonate yeah. me and whatnot. And mm. I'm not as big of an, of an IG person. Um, there's less, less thought leadership and just a whole bunch of selfie dancing on that yeah. platform. Totally. So uh, it, it's not as interesting to me as Twitter. So. Nothing wrong with dancing. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with it. <laughs> I, just, I just don't feel like scrolling through a bunch of selfie dancing yeah. all the time. So uh, It's mindless. You know, it's, it really is mindless. It, you have to switch your brain off to dive in there. Yeah. Yeah, admittedly. And there's time to switch around. A lot of bots. A lot of, well, yeah, Paul, a lot of thank TNA. Thank you so much. For, thank you for coming on. We really do appreciate it. You're the best, and we look forward wow. to seeing what Walt does in the future, brother. Yeah, no, we'll have a lot of great updates, especially this year with respect to DeFi and getting people not just sending and receiving your Monero and Bitcoin, but actually doing fancier stuff with it all inside the app. Happy to cover nice. that on another episode one day once we got things Yeah, live. man, we'll definitely yeah, do, it do it in the future when something big yeah. happens. We'll do a we'll DeFi deep dive. All right. All right Sounds good. Appreciate you. Thank you so much, Paul. Appreciate Take it. care. Have a great day. Thank you guys. Super appreciate it. Bye now. Thank you, Paul. That was a great interview. We appreciate you. You're too classy for us. We appreciate you. You're a nice guy. And uh, so let's get into um, some predictions for next week or this week and, and how we will give his final, final prediction of this show. Yeah, well, here's <laughs> Sam just his brain derailed. That's what happened. If yeah. you look inside of his brain right now, it's just a Sam train said, going Sam off. Said, Howie will give us the strip choice for strip <laughs> on my face. The ending of the oh, she just put a pinky in my ass. That's not that feels okay. <laughs> so Howie's okay. gonna bring us home with the uh the thing, the thing <laughs> the the end. That's exactly what just happened. Oh Christ. Market Howie, up. do you want to do uh do you want to do um New Jersey with me again? Yeah, let's do it because I can't come out. Sorry, tomorrow. it's book. Sorry, it's book. Sorry <laughs> about that. No, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in, you're in. All right. When when you when are you coming to Jersey? That's so funny. I think it's the fifteenth through the seventeenth. Of December? Of February. Jesus. Okay, that's good. Thank God. 
I'm oh, in I'm Maryland. Sorry. I'm in Maryland this week with uh, Vecchi Owen and and Justin Silver. Hey, well, how about you oh, guys do your book your your fucking dates uh, later after we're recording? Jesus. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, that would help. No, dude, I we're announcing it here for the listeners. Okay. Sure. <laughs> All right, All right yeah, go man. on, Holly. I'm in Perryville, Maryland, this Saturday with fucking Robbie Bernstein, who's a legend. Uh, oh, you're in with Bernstein. Bernstein, Justin Silver, funny dude, Mike Vecchione, probably one of the funniest comedians in the country. He's hilarious. Wow, so, that's a great lineup. Yeah, and we're at Fifth Company Brewing, which I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's one of the top brewing companies within those first five companies. So I'm excited. Okay, man. Well, I'm glad you're playing a top five brewing company. Yeah, I love Perry- brewing. I don't know if you've ever been to Perryville, Perryville, Maryland, but it's a one crazy place. Well, I love it. Those guys are all great. Hey, Howie, what what's your pick for uh, this week? <laughs> Can you cut that? Yeah, I will. Okay, oh, Howie, so give us what is your? Oh, pick? I know. Wait, oh, we're not gonna cut me doing the good job. That's bullshit. Yeah. How, hey, Howie, could you do? Howie, your what pick is your pick? your pick of the week? Right Howie, now, man. Howie, Howie, hey, uh, do you? Uh, what's the uh, for hey, like Howie. the next week? The thing. With yeah, uh, next stocks, week. what are you looking so, at for stocks the, next week? Picky, picky. Yeast infection. Okay. What, uh, hey. I like what? If you don't have Ford, make sure you put some Ford in your portfolio because it's at 1356. And I'm telling you right now, if you've read, they're coming out with a shitload of those EV Ford Lightning pickup trucks. They're supposed to be unbelievable. Everything I've heard about them. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, they have this Ford, you know, and if you take a look at what the fuck Tesla's doing, Tesla hit a three-year low today at one, Jesus, man, it's down to 161. Um, I've had a, a good value there. What do you think? You know, I'm, I don't, I think it's going lower. I think it's going okay. to 140, 145. Uh, you know, Elon's had his head up his ass with this whole Twitter shit. And How much do you think that has to do with it, Howie? Do you think that has something I, to do with it? Yeah, really? Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um, Damn. I mean, since Elon took over Twitter, uh, Tesla's down almost 30%. And if you look at the time period, nothing else is down that much. I mean, Tesla's down like 30% since he bought Twitter. Well, so, they, I just, I mean, I'll add since you brought it up, I, I really quickly, he's gone according to uh, uh, this news story I found here from the world's richest person. Uh, this is from Fortune uh, to the world's fourth richest person uh, since the acquisition of Twitter. Boo-hoo, cry me a river. So he yeah. now he's only he lost seven point four billion on Monday, according to that. He's only worth now one hundred eighty-one billion dollars. No, that's it. Poor guy. It. But I mean, hey, he's he didn't do well on his first stand-up, second stand-up routine with Chappelle. Like, I don't know why people got on his ass, but, but that was weird. yeah. Who? I mean, come on, leave the guy alone. He's fine. Yeah, it's but stupid, if- and they're booing for all the wrong reasons. Next. All the wrong reasons. I don't know. But anyways, yeah, Tesla, I think, could go lower. I wouldn't buy it yet. I think it's, you might get it in the 140s. It's a decent. But I like Ford, man. I like Ford right here. I think that's something you want to own in your IRA for the next couple of years. Looks good. All right, I'm going to buy some Ford. Bang! All right, I guys, know. this is our last show before Christmas. We're taking Christmas week off. So we want to wish all of you, especially the Jews, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry yes. Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. 
you know, whatever you're celebrating, spend time with your family, take a little break from banking fatties, or you can bank fatties when you're hanging with your with your family. Either the way, love yourself. Merry Christmas, Johnny. Merry Christmas, Howie. Same to you, Sam. Happy Janica. Also to you, Love Howie. it, guys. Um, and now we're going to go over to the Patreon. Where winners win, just like on Punch Drunk, but even more winners are winning on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Cash Daddies. Come get weird. See you over there. <laughs>